0: places airplanes don't fly. Some places roads don't go by. I needed you to remind Everything I want behind. here the stuff
1: that song come from? It's really lovely. Mm. And what's it called again?
2: The song is called Long Way From Home. Yeah. And uh, there's a a fellow that I had had in my band for a little bit of time who's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he called up one day and said, I've got something, come over and let's see if we can write it. So that's what we wrote. Um, I don't know where creativity comes from, or I would go stand at that door all day long and just wait for the next batch of it to come flood out over me. But uh, um, I I really, there's a few things that I kind of understood about the song that I wanted something that's, uh, that that pretty much does what the lyric does. You come to a recognition in your life that uh, what you've always wanted is where, what you always had, but you didn't know it. You went out other places to find it. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just—it uh, really is. It really is a lovely song. So, and and that was which album? That was the one before the one that you just released, I think.
2: That's on the—it's uh, on uh, an EP called "Songs in the Night." Right, right, right. And, and the—you um, know—I used to—I I played for—I did a month of shows in Scotland back at the uh, beginning of the two thousands. And uh, I would close every night with that song. And one of the things that uh, occurred to me then, I had seen the Robert Redford, Glenn Close movie, The Natural. Mm -hmm. And in in that movie, Glenn Close, toward the end of the movie, is trying to give Redford some information. some. a look at life and she says I, I i found that we have and this so this would be my part of my introduction part of my explanation for a long way from home um uh, <clears throat> she said i f- i found that we have two lives one life that we learn with and the other life that we live with after that and that's that's the song to me so how you doing
1: man you look great
2: i'm good i'm doing good and uh <clears throat> And I see no reason why in the world you shouldn't just get up every morning at three thirty and go broadcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest problem. Those hours are just killing me. But uh, this kind of did, thing, I, this is I did, exciting.
2: I did that. I did that one time uh, when I was in college. Uh, I, I had they moved me into a morning drive thing in Waco where I grew up before I met you, and it was just totally brutal to. To get up and do a morning show, and then go to college all day, and then try to do anything is just terrible. So I, I vowed from that moment forward to uh, highly honor all the people who were doing morning drives. So you you fit into that
1: category. <laughs> well, let's see. I guess I was doing morning drive when you came to us at Croy, right? In K R O Y in Sacramento. You
2: you started out when I well when I first got there. Uh, you were doing the seven of midnight or whatever those. Hours oh, okay.
1: Were. Yeah. Yeah.
2: For, for a, a couple of months. And then the morning guy had left, and you became the designated gold radio program of our
1: radio station. And it was, I was, I was so wet behind the ears still at that point. I had no business doing that. But uh, right. I remember, it was, what was that, about 1971 or so?
2: 71, yes.
1: Yeah. Which, well, which if you
2: do, which you do, if you do the math we're, we're kind of in there with exile
1: on main street now <laughs> I was just about to ask you give me some titles from that from that era you know the, uh, it, it's fun because when I see
2: uh, top 10 lists all the time songs pop up that, that you, you really like I, I mentioned to you the other day on an a- email that uh, van Morrison had wild night out at the time. Yeah. Yeah. The Almond Brothers had just put out their "Eat a Peach" album. Um, the day that I got to Sacramento, uh, Cher had "Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves" land yeah. on the playlist, and <laughs> so did, uh, so did uh, uh, I think it was it was Stevie Wonder,
1: and I think it was "If You Really Loved Me." So, "If You Really Love Me," I'm trying to think. The only reason I stopped on that is because. Uh, just before I took, took over the morning show and you know, we go wandering down memory lane forever. And I don't want to do that. But um, just before I took over that, I was, I was music director for a little while. I was the worst music director in the history of radio. <laughs> I, I, I have no ear at all. You know, somebody played uh, uh, stairway to heaven for me. So what kind of crap is that? That's not Led Zeppelin, you know? And then, and right. then I, I actually turned away. One of Stevie Wonder's biggest hits, and I, I can't remember what it is, but it was just before that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I know. I just, um, but then you became the news director, the music director, That's and you right. were always, you were always way into the tunes. And that was one thing that it was, it it wasn't what it was important to me. It was for me, it was just to be on the radio and to be entertaining and play the music. And I love the music, but you know, it it wasn't in my soul, so to speak. Right, right. It was. It was probably you know guys like you
2: specifically and our program director uh, were I knew real rate real radio guys. I knew that I was on the radio because I loved to play records and that's where they were. It's yes. like like the John Dillinger uh, you know bank robbing comment. That's where they got the money. Uh, <laughs> so uh, playing records was. Keen to me, and the idea that record companies would visit me and take me to lunch to show me all the new records they were bringing out that month, I was in heaven. So,
1: So the amazing thing about you was, and I don't remember how long you weren't there all that long, were you like two years, maybe? Two years, right, 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 two years, right. Yeah, so I remember, and I've never stopped telling this story. I said, Well, we had this young jock from Waco, Texas, and he still had a little bit of twang in his voice which I notice you've kicked, um, <laughs> but, but except I suspect when you come home, it comes back. But um, I said, one day <clears throat> this guy, you were going by the name of Don Christie at the time. I said, right. Don said, came in and says, well, I'm leaving. We go, you're leaving. Where are you going? And I'm going to Los Angeles. And we thought, wow, guy got a big radio job. I said, no kidding. What are you going to do? He says, well, I'm going to, I think I'm going to become an actor. We had no idea that, you know, you had any kind of intention of going that route with your career, nor that you had any background. And I guess neither was true. (laughs) You didn't. (laughs) He just said, I'm going to go down and be an actor. And we all look at each other and go, yeah, okay. Uh, nice knowing you. Good luck. And the next thing we know, we're getting notes from you about, well, I got got this job on uh, uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. That's and right. a police woman. That's And right. I mean, you were on damn network TV and we we're going, how did he do that? Yeah. And I yeah. never got an answer. How did you do
2: that? I know that's when you all wanted to write the networks and go, you know, this guy is an imposter. <laughs> we, we know him for real. And, and you, you might want to talk to us. We can tell you stories. You know, I, when, uh, <clears throat> Uh, you, you and I had a boss in Sacramento who left right before I I left and uh, he went down to Los Angeles Dwight and yeah. um, and I was visiting with Dw- Dwight right after I got to town and and he had this wonderful seventh floor glass walled office that looks straight up west on Sunset Boulevard and I, I know it and, then, and he said uh, well I don't know what you want to do in town but everything in this town runs on agents or people that represent people and, and you'll have to find the people that do that for you. And I had no clue how that was ever going to happen. But, but in Sacramento, I met a handful of people from Los Angeles who came to, to the radio station because of music. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Los Angeles, I called them up and I said, verse, you know, versions of what I told you guys at the radio station, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And they said, why? And I told him, here's my plan. I want to write songs and sing songs and act. And I gave my rationale why I thought that was a good idea. And uh, Rick Nelson, his father, Ozzy Nelson, was obviously a mainstay in Hollywood. And and within, you know, a few days, I got a phone call that said, uh, there's a casting director at Paramount Studios who wants to meet with you. So I didn't know what that meant, but I, I
1: drove over and met the casting director. How, how did that even come about? I mean, were you sending out headshots? Had you contacted no, any kind of it, agent? Exactly. Or? It's exactly,
2: I, I literally had a uh, phone call a meeting and uh, with, with uh, Rick and uh, to Ozzie? say hello, okay. not with Ozzy, just, you know, but after that phone call to say hello, two days later, I got a call from, you know, Rick's manager saying, Hey, Ozzy's got something so he didn't say Ozzy set it up he just said that it was Ozzy's casting director at Paramount so uh it was just bridges that were built through friendships yeah and and the second I went into that casting meeting casting director's office I had uh I really again as you pointed out I really had kind of a, a vacant uh history in Hollywood but she listened to me talk, and she said she got out a piece of paper and she wrote down a thing on it. And she said, "I give you the number of someone who likes to work with young people." That was what she had described it, and I didn't know what
1: that meant. So I went home. And I like, would guess there were a lot of people who like to work with young people.
2: I would bet you that's true. <laughs> and uh, and
1: uh, and you were what, maybe twenty-two at the time? Something I was, like yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And so you know, I, I called the guy, I called the phone number. I didn't know who it was. And, and he said, agency at the end of his name. Yeah. And I, I immediately knew the gear to go into. And I started a conversation. He said, come down and, and, and let's have a meeting. And he signed me that afternoon and suddenly I had an agent. Ah. So that's how I got an agent. And
1: that's kind of how the other stuff slowly started to happen. I'm guessing that you eventually figured out why that happened. And I'm, here's here's my take on it, because you at the time, I'm not saying it's not still true, but you at the time were not only young, you were good looking. You had long blonde hair. You had a perennial dazzling smile on your face. <laughs> you, just, you just were effusively likable. And I imagine those people learned to look at somebody like that and say, oh, the camera's going to like him. And you still had that little bit of a twang in your voice. Right, right. And I think, I think all of that probably just played right into, hey, you know, let's let's see if we can do something here. By God, they did. <laughs>
2: it, it, fun. And, and, you know, like with, with, the, with the twang, because of radio, actually, when I was about 14 in, in Texas and I was doing speech events in high school, I started trying to learn to speak correctly to say the nouns,
1: the way the nouns were supposed to, you know, the vowels, et cetera. And you got to get out of Texas to do that. Yeah. I've been here for 10 years and I'm still trying to learn how to speak Texan. Well, I can, (laughs) and I'm sure there are plenty of teachers every day.
2: Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so there, I was doing a a TV movie and a a director was going through a, a rehearsal with me and and when I finished whatever we were doing, he said, what's, what's, you, what's that accent on that word that you just said? And I went, oh, okay, now I understand. I was not paying attention. And so I did, so I did my take with no accent. And he looked at me with that. He was pleased, but he's like, how do you do that? <laughs> like, it's, it's, a, it's probably
1: a radio trick. It's right? called acting. Yeah. It's <laughs> but what else are we playing here? You tell me what you're looking at. Uh, I, I'm not looking at anything. I don't even have a okay. list here in front of me because. Okay, on
2: my list, on my list, uh, on that EP one, uh, on songs in the night is a song called "Grace" is my favorite word.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah.
2: One by one by one day by day, and then a song called "Someone to Believe." Uh huh. And then on Texas Exile, which is the EP that's out right now, there's a song called "Real World." There's a song called Treat You Right, which is a truncated title. The actual line's just too long for a title line. is I'd love to treat you right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a song called Not a Day Goes By.
1: And Mama Knows. I love that Mama Knows. It's fun. You knew Mama knew When you
0: first tried to die You knew Mama when you push your luck and lie The world may fall free.
2: piano player uh who who i kind of when i started really focusing on doing music in the late 80s early 90s uh, i heard a guy came in to play for me on a session one day and he did some things that i really uh thought were fabulous so we became friends and started writing some songs together and one day he he will listen to me talk and occasionally in what I'll say, he will, he'll go, that's a song. Cause I'll say some sentence. <laughs> and uh, that so could get to my, be
1: annoying. <laughs>
2: yeah, This is uh, so somewhere along the line, he said, how about a song called mama knows? And he, whatever he thought about it, I went, yeah, that's a good idea. So I went home and I uh, wrote lyrics and he and I put the music together. He comes up with those great changes and i was like okay and so that's how it came about
1: well i mean you know just the two that we've talked about a long way from home and mama knows those those are uh, those are notions that are hooks for everybody Mm. right Mm. everybody can relate to just the idea of a song about that, so makes us want to hear it some some of
2: what you and i share in radio history is uh where i think my idea about writing songs comes from i I know that when you, if you're sitting in a, if you're playing music on the radio, uh, when I did, the second that top of the hour ID goes off and you start a song, you're hoping that you can keep the audience interested in it, in what you're doing for the least the first three or four minutes. And then when you switch to the next song, you hope that you can make that continue. So thinking about ways to write songs or thinking about what songs can could do that is how I, I think we're uh, somehow seeps into my creating moments when I'm songwriting. How, how would a radio audience, how would somebody who doesn't know me or this song start to listen? And how
1: can you keep them listening? How interesting can you be? Of make course. Song? Yeah, no, that you're right. You're absolutely right. That's something you think about on radio all the time. Um, it's ins- insightful for um, for anybody who performs on stage, mm-hmm. at any level and in, uh, in any form. What are you? What are your plans? You've uh, you've uh, turned the corner of seventy, as I have, mm-hmm. but you're still out there playing songs and singing and being on stage there in Los Angeles. And I know you've done done gigs lately in uh, New York, and you just were talking about it in Scotland and so forth. Uh, I, I got to guess that you just love what you're doing and you just intend to keep doing it. Uh, the answer to that would be
2: yes. Uh, and where do I send the check? Uh, the the uh, I'm probably 10 or 15 years ago, somewhere in the past, but it would be recent past. It dawned on me that I have two jobs and I did not recognize the first job until, you know, I was grown. But I hear music in my head all the time. I Mm -hmm. did when I first met. I didn't know that that was unusual. I just thought that's the way that I was driving down the road and stuff was occurring to me. And so once that became apparent to me.
1: um, You're talking about music that didn't actually exist in recordings. You were hearing stuff in your own mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah
2: plus all the stuff that does exist because if okay. you know if you are sitting down and we start thinking about the thing from shaft we can all you know <laughs> remember part of it or something right yeah. so I, I remember that too but you know I'll be driving down the road and I, I just began to recognize there's something going through my mind and I just thought it was entertainment and then I began to realize that's what's that's part of you that that it's not always common with everybody. So I started, I made a plan. I've got two jobs, one job to get everything that I hear in my head, out of my head, written down on paper, shown to another musician so we can play it together, take it into a recording studio, but I've got to get it out of my head because that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of peace about that. Otherwise, it just rattles around there and you go yeah, "Yeah, You're right. And the second job is much harder. And the second job reflects on what your question is.
1: Get it out of my head.
2: And number two, get it out of my living room. So how do you get it out of your living room? If uh, If somebody shows up and wants to record your song, they will help you get that out of your living room if I can send you a song and you play it on your show, I can get it out of my living. If I have to go to Scotland to play it in front of a bunch of, you know, people from Europe who have no idea what, you know, I'm I'm like, and see if it works. I've got, it's out of my living room. So that's kind of the plan and kind of going forward. uh, I don't, I just think that creativity is, is timeless. Uh, And so that's why Willie Nelson can just put out a new album recently because it's timeless. He, he's the age he is, but he can, he
1: can still create that, that midst, that magic. You, you just said something that uh, struck me. It was like an epiphany. It was like, I imagine we all sit at home and we come up with these great ideas and we, think I could do this. If I, if I just buckle down, I make myself do it and find the time to do it and so forth. I can do this. And maybe even we noodle with some notes. And nowadays we go online, and <clears throat> excuse me, and we look things up on the internet and stuff, but we don't get it out of the living room. <laughs> we right. never, never take it out and really, and really work it in the world. Right. Right. That's a, that's, I mean, that's an amazing insight. I think most of us have never really
2: thought about it. It's, and it's a hard job. It's, it's almost an impossible job because it's, uh, you, you still have to, you have to be the one who is motivated.
1: Uh, so well, you got to have faith in yourself and your ability to take it to outside the living room and, 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 you know, have other people give you right. their thoughts rather than, and then try to figure out what are they really thinking and what are they really saying as opposed to what are they, you know, just shining me on or whatever. Yes.
2: I, but I'm compelled to do that. I, I I have no, uh, I mean, I have other choices and I can be lazy on any given day as anybody else. But if I don't do this, I'm, I, I get crazy. I, I don't, I'm not having a great time. So I would, I, whatever it is, whatever it takes to get it out of your living room hmm. is worth that. And some of it is that brave moment where you play something for somebody else and see if they like it or not. But, yeah. uh, but if you do this a lot, and I'm sure that you're this way, when you when you go on the radio uh, or get behind the microphone, you're at right now, it's such a it it feels more casual than it actually is. You just got decades of experience knowing how to make this common a common moment, but it's not a common moment as I remember my first day going on the radio. Uh, <laughs> So, and the first day that I showed a song, I had no idea what people were supposed to do. I just thought, I want to, this is what I think I do. What do you think?
1: You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I just lost my train of thought there.
2: It's okay. Um,
1: I, I, that train come through
2: and there's a switching station.
1: Over <laughs> <in my heart. laughs> now, um, oh, I know what it was. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, try to impose or 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 dig into your personal life too much but i am curious about uh you know as i said you and i are both 70 something just barely both of us and uh i've i've been married all my life and i got kids and i've gone the usual the usual route you're a single guy i don't know what your personal relationships are nor do i care but i'm wondering if there was a some point in your life where you yourself and, and your music just became too important to, uh, to make a commitment, you know, to something that was greater than just you. That's a, that's a terrible way of asking, but you know what I'm trying to say to you.
2: That is, And, and, and the short answer is I'm divorced. So there, there, yeah, I, I know I that,
1: wanted, but I didn't want to, yeah. Uh,
2: the um, when I left, when you, when I met you, so this is kind of a little bit of an answer to your question. And then the rest of it, I just n- never really have thought that hard about. Uh, when I met you, I was I was making uh, a move from Texas to California. And when I when I was finishing college, I was really. I did not want to have a relationship start my senior year of college where I where I would want to bring that person with me to California or have to choose between California and that person. Mm -hmm. And so I really made a choice to, no, 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 I'm, this is what I'm going to go do. And I didn't know anybody else that I thought would follow my dream. And I spent a a good amount of time yesterday uh, replaying, I mean, literally replaying uh, Dave Loggins hit song, please come to Boston. Yeah. And it's, that's the story where you go. So he goes from Boston to Denver to Los Angeles and everywhere he, He's calling back, going, "Come on!" And she keeps saying, "You come home." Yeah, I, I wanted to avoid that when I was conscious of a choice, and so I did avoid that for a long time.
1: There when are two got, ways of looking at that. That's it. that's either that was either uh, uh, you know a certain amount certain amount of selfishness on your part, or it was just a great deal of maturity and understanding that the only way that you're going to be happy with your life is if you pursue your dreams and all that stuff you know, get it out of your system, if it never goes out of your system, then, it, then you've built yourself a great life.
2: Right. And, and I would say it's not to get it out of, because my experience is not to get it out of your system. It's intrinsic in who you are. And so when I go over the lyrics of that song, for me, I feel really badly for both people, because the singer in that song is intrinsically, that's the guy he is. And she doesn't want to love the guy that that is. She wants yeah. to love a guy who wants to live in tennessee yeah. and and he's figured out i i can't live in tennessee so they still love each other it's just that sure. moment where you it, it's that uh so that's where songs come from that you know they're so close but they're so far from each other and, and oh my <laughs> so the, the 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 pathos and the poignance of that it really creates great songs so I, I never saw him as being selfish or getting anything out of his system. I, I see him as being a guy who goes, this is what I do. And if you don't, if this doesn't work for you, I can't. Uh, Lyle Lovett's song. If I were the man you wanted, I would not be the man that I am.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That, that so, sums it up perfect. You know, there's another song that I love that uh, has essentially the same story. You're the reason God made Oklahoma. Oh. That fabulous. David Frizzell and Shelley West, was it?
2: Fabulous. Fabulous.
1: I hear that song in my head all the time. Yeah. 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 There
2: are things that cut through all the other songs, and that's one of them. That's great.
1: I just finished reading a book. You may have read it. I don't know. I didn't even know how I picked it up. Back in our uh, young days, when it was, uh, you know, all about the music was all about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys were thrown into the mix. And then anybody else you can think of, everybody from Led Zeppelin to Janis Joplin to The Doors. And and, and at the same time, we were playing Barbara Streisand and Louis, and Louis Armstrong on the radio. I mean, it was just weird, right. <laughs> the mixture of music that we played. But we were into all of it. For some reason, I was always a Beatles guy. And there was this sense at the time that you were either a Beatles person or you were a Stones person. I don't remember people fighting about it exactly. But for some reason, I was. Although I always liked the Stones, for some reason, recently, I read uh, Keith Richards' autobiography. I right. can't think of what it's called. He wrote it like 20 years ago. It's called Life. Yes. Have you read that? I have. That, it just blew me away. This is it's not the brilliant. Keith Richards that everybody thinks exists. It's, it's a stunning book. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he is so smart. He's, first of all, it, it, and every time I have mentioned this since I started reading the book and I tell people this, I said, do you know that he has been sober, off the drugs, off of alcohol and everything else for like, what, 30 years or something like that? Pretty, pretty remarkable. Of course, he, he, I mean, you know, he did his time. He didn't need to play catch-up, <laughs> and, he, and he admits that. Anyway, I just, I don't know why that came up. It's something you said earlier about, about the Stones, I think, but uh, I still can't get it out of my mind. He, he's just a great writer, too, so I'm just uh, really impressed by that. And that's a nice thing, as you get older, to go back and visit some of the music from the past and and start to learn some things. I'll bet you have stories about people you've met who were, you know if not idols, at least somebody you looked up to.
2: I, I I'm sure I know you'd have to would have to figure out how to trip that wire to tell for me to tell you something. But I always think of uh, I think of living in Los Angeles area as similar to working in a donut shop. If you work in a donut shop and you walk in the door, or if you visit a donut shop, it smells great when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. If you work in a donut shop, that's just the way the place. That's just the place. Yeah. And. Los Angeles has um, obviously a lot of people that we recognize on camera or on in in photographs that live around here so you can go to the gas station or you can go to the uh, supermarket and see somebody that yeah that st- is stunning to see um, I, I i did i I was so this will trip up it's not a big story but um I lived for a long time up in the Hollywood Hills and that sounds more glamorous than it was, but that is where I lived. And uh, a little tiny street that was off of another little tiny street. And uh, one day I was at the gas station at the bottom of the hill and I, and the pump across the the, uh, breezeway at the other pump was Bonnie Raitt. Uh And, and she was my neighbor. And I knew she was my neighbor, but I'd never seen her in public enough to have any moment with her. And I really, as apologetically as I could, I, you know, walked to 10 feet across the breezeway and said, I'm so sorry to do this, but we're neighbors. And I just wanted to be able to tell you hello. And she said, hello. And she said, what do you do? And I said, I do music. And she said, I'm so sorry. And then. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, you're, you're going to run into people here kind of casually that you didn't expect to see, and yeah. you're going to there they are. You
1: go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I was in LA long enough to uh, have that uh, have that kind of thing happen, and and you're right. You just kind of go, wow, that's cool. But I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm just not going to, you know.
2: I, I was in, I was in a movie theater one night for like a. This is back, obviously, l- 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 mid late eighties. And uh, I can't do the math. I just know those are the, that'd be the time frames. So in mid late eighties, I went to a movie one night at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And I'm standing around near the concession stand waiting for the theater to clear or for them to let us in. And there's a couple of girls at the far end of the lobby and in walks Bob Dylan. Oh. And he went in to see them and he stood with them and he's going to go into the movie. and, I you know, I'm I you know, just it's one of the few moments in my life that I'm just like, I'm not gonna say hello. I'm not going to say a word. I have nothing to say that would make this moment better. So I'm just still <laughs> you know, occasionally got people will show up and you'll go, whoa. But you'll stay exactly where you are.
1: Again, very wise on your part. Yes, My story along those lines is I met uh, Carol Ann and I went to a Willie Nelson concert in Sacramento area. Folsom Rodeo Arena. It's a small mm-hmm. dirt arena just outside mm-hmm. the town of Folsom. And uh, he was up there on stage. We were in like the third row. It was fabulous. After the show, he came down. He just walked down off the stage into the arena and started mm-hmm. glad handing people. Shaking hands, smiling, right. taking pictures and all that stuff. Uh I was a big time radio star there locally. I mean, I was, you know, I was big yeah. at the time. And uh, he, we walked toward him and I absolutely froze solid. I couldn't, I could not open my mouth. My wife knows me and she said to Willie Nell, she said, Excuse me, would you sign our tickets here? And he says, Well, sure, <laughs> darling. And he did. He autographed the ticket and I just stood there glad and I didn't say a word. And she said, My husband would like to know if you would mind uh, if you could talk to him on the radio tomorrow. He's got a radio show in the morning and, uh, you know, just do it on the phone or something and, uh, just give him a couple of three minutes each time. She said, he said, well, I'd love to, he says, but the thing is, and this was bef- really before cell phones went anywhere outside of town, you know, right. he said, thing is, we're going to be on, uh, we're going to be on the road and we we'll would be back in my bus and we're going to be halfway to Utah or someplace like that. So, I'm just, that's not going to be possible. So she thanked him very, very nicely. He looked at her a little bit lecherously, actually. And um, they smiled and, and howdy and goodbye. And I had never said a word through the whole conversation. I was incapable of talking right. to right. him. And I'm sure he walked away thinking, radio? The yeah. guy can't even talk. <laughs> so, so you, you want to those- be in show business? Huh? So you want to be in show business? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Man, listen, we got to go because uh, Zoom is cutting me off. Great. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play another another song or two. And uh, tell us how people can find out more about you, where to get your music, and, and where to see you when you're traveling around. In this internet
2: age, uh, if you look online at any of the places that stream music or download music or YouTube, um, most people have YouTube that may not have a streaming service. If you look up J.D. Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N. That's correct. And there's no periods with the J and the D. It's J.D. Right. Hinton music. Put uh-huh. music at the end of that. You should see everything that's up there. And that would be so great. And it's been a terrific time getting to visit with you. How's your dad? He's 101 and he's good. He's living in Temple just
1: outside of yeah. Wake. So.
2: He's, he's, he's doing good. He's... Uh, I'm just... Every day I'm proud of him, but for different reasons every day,
1: so. Well, I'm sure he's proud of you, too. All right, man. We're going to get together and uh, talk next time you're home, and and uh, we'll go have some barbecue. Yeah. I love that. I love right.
2: that. And clearly, you've figured out all the really good places to have barbecue. Around. There's two
1: exceptional places, I understand, in Fort Worth that have just cropped up on the uh, top yes. list. I can't even think of the name, but you're right. They're, they're fairly recent. So, so we, we have church to do but then it'll be worth it okay man all right thank you you i'll get back together with i'll let you know when this is up and you can take a look at it thank you so much all right thanks bye bye
0: I'd love to treat you right If love has done you wrong I'd love to treat you good If love has hurt you bad If you were sad tonight If you've cried all day long Love to treat you right. If love has done you wrong, you don't have to see anything at all, there's nothing to explain the tears that had to fall. may need some time But I'll be here so long I'd love to treat you right If love has done you wrong What you mean to me No one else could ever mean I want you to see the you that I've always seen tonight, tonight. It's like when love becomes regret, and I've said myself, forget about forget, but don't give up tonight, believe that you belong. To treat you right If love has done you wrong What you mean to me No one else could ever mean I want you to see The you that I've always seen Tonight Tonight, I'd love to treat you.